This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Welcome into NFL Friday, week five of the NFL season. Matt Murphy, John Furlong, and Mir Gorey getting set to bring you this week's episode of the podcast. Talking a little bit of Thursday night football, good even matchup between the Patriots and the Bucks last night if it wasn't for some missed kicks on the Tampa Bay side of things. But before we get into that and our Giants, Jets segments and our picks for the week, Guys, how you doing? Already four weeks through the NFL season. Already, most teams are at the quarter pole at this point. It's crazy. This season's going by. It always seems this is the time where it hits you. It's just like, wow, the season's already a quarter over. It's crazy. Yeah, I I don't know. That makes me always want to wish that I had more football. But then again, with all the players' injuries, concussion issues, it seems like it's kind of bad that it's so long. Some teams feeling optimistic a quarter of the way through the season. Some teams like the New York Giants feeling a little down at this point of the season, and we will talk about them. After our Thursday night football segment, which will be followed by a fantasy football hit with John Furlong, who will be pulling double duty. Yes, I will for this episode. But we're all fantasy guys, so we'll Mir and I will also chime in with that segment. But let's start with Thursday night football here. I mentioned a pretty even matchup. If it wasn't for Nick Folk missing three field goals last night, Patriots win 19-14 to improve to three and two on the season. The Bucks. Obviously, only four games to their record, two and two now, because they had the week one bye due to Hurricane Irma. Gronk didn't play for New England, but it didn't matter. They still win by five. It really just came down to those missed kicks on the Tampa Bay side of things. Yeah, it's amazing. Folk was so bad last week, but at least he kicked the winner for the Bucks against the Giants. How many? He missed two last week yes, and three two, this week. Exactly. He's got, he's got to be gone soon, he needs, right? He needs to go. I think the only reason why he wasn't gone last week was because he kicked the winner. But if you, I don't know if you watched that game. Obviously, as a Giants fan, I watched it. And I saw it going in, and I was like, oh, man, this is looking like it's going out. I'm so happy. And then it just kind of like stayed in, just like stayed from going outside. It was just the far left corner, just barely in. And... I mean, it was honestly depressing for a, as a Giants fan, but it was just it was also frustrating because it's like, folk, you've been so bad in this game, and then all of a sudden you finally get it together. Um, and I think it was pure luck, and I think he's gone. Well, and this, I, is, this is a team that had to cut Roberto Aguayo as who well. Who was a, They've a had second round, a draft second round pick. draft pick, and they cut him after one season. It's the, the kicking situation in Tampa is awful right now. And I didn't watch that game with when Tampa Bay beat the Giants last week. I was actually listening in the car on the radio, and for some reason I, I didn't tune into the Giants broadcast. I tuned into the Bucks on. Uh, the national rate on Sirius and it was humble great. brag that you have Sirius no. <laughs> my parents pay for it but any- <laughs> <laughs> anyway um I was listening to the Bucks broadcast and their announcer was like the kicks up and it's no good wait it's good the Bucks win and I was like all right that was just the worst call yeah because that violates <laughs> number one the number one rule which is letting the action happen before you say anything once you start assuming stuff it's it, it it doesn't go well so that was that it was a little bit better for their kicking situation to win on that last week against the Giants but last night they couldn't come through against the Patriots and it was huge those those missed kicks were huge because the team stats were nearly identical time of possession total yardage literally everything uh turnovers I don't think either team had a, had a turnover in the game uh, at least that the quarterbacks, maybe Brady had one interception. I know Winston, surprisingly, did not have any interceptions. He fumbled but recovered it. And then I think on the um, on the other side of things, New England might have had one fumble they recovered as well. But really, a clean game on both sides. Yardage was decent. And the Patriots just eked out a five-point win because Tampa Bay just 
couldn't come through on special teams. I, there's nothing else to it really to that except for Doug Martin making his return for the Bucks and he scored a touchdown, a guy that I sat in fantasy, so leads into our fantasy segment a little bit. But yes, any final takeaways from Thursday Night Football last week? Next week we get Eagles-Panthers. Pat's got real lucky, and if it, if it isn't for Nick Folk, they're 2-3 and three right now, and maybe it's it's maybe start – Maybe it's now the time to start really looking into this Patriots team. This secondary is a problem that is not going to go away. They were better this week, but this even this when that secondary does play better, it looks like the team just doesn't. They just don't have it this year. It looks like I know we said after week one and they and they lost to the Chiefs, we were saying, oh, no one's freaking out. It's the Patriots; they'll be fine. But right now, this team looks really, really shaky, and I trust Bill Belichick to figure it out. But this secondary is not a problem that's going to go away. Um, so in the debate that people always have, is it Belichick Brady? I've always thought that Brady has always kind of been so great that he's carried the team even despite having some years where the defense was so atrociously bad and I think maybe there's a little bit of age kicking in for Brady because he's not able to be so absolutely elite that it looks like the Patriots are just comfortably winning I think people still are expecting that the Patriots are going to be great but I I just think there's a little bit of a of some chinks in that armor and, and then the second thing I thought was Brady came in in all black for the pregame and, and he looked really hyped for the game for that reason alone. I thought maybe it was a reference to it's gonna be a funeral for for the Bucks. And it And then ki- they wore all white in the game. Exactly. Yeah. And and it, it, it you know it kind of was a funeral for the Bucks, but mostly for Nick Fultz at uh, Folk. I just think I just think that the Patriots are in a little bit of trouble and I think they need to really figure out what's going on with Gronk because they're gonna need their offense to pick it up if their defense is not going to get any better. I agree. I mean nineteen fourteen final Patriots squeak by but they need to be better. Let's get to our first fantasy football hit of the show and who to start this week with John Furlong. Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. Thank thank you, me, for introducing me. I always thought that was so awkward how I do like a little you're the voiceover. Expert. You're I, the I, expert. I guess I'm calling myself the expert. A little, a little um, a bit of a brag. humble brag. I was just going to say that. All right, here are my two sit players this week. I've got Devin Funchess, the wide receiver from Carolina. Start him or sit him? Oh, start him, absolutely. Okay. He's seems to be gaining more and more ground on Kelvin Benjamin for that number one wide receiver role. He's a bit, he's exactly like Kelvin Benjamin. He's the same type of player, but it seems like Cam's throwing to him a lot more. He had two touchdowns last week, and uh, if he's on your wire, why don't go, why not go get him? I mean, that Carolina offense it has looked shaky this year at times because Cam Newton hasn't been playing his best but last week he looked really good albeit against a a suspect New England secondary but he's definitely worth you're looking for a flex player or even a number two wide receiver why not go out and get him and then my second stardom is Aaron Rodgers I mean this Dallas secondary has been quietly atrocious this season no one's really making a big deal about how bad they are but they made Trevor Simeon look like Tom Brady in their game at, at mile high. It was it was embarrassing for them. And Jared Goff let them up last. I know Jared Goff is a lot better this year than he was last year, but it's still Jared Goff. So I think Aaron's going to have a field day against this, at this, this Dallas secondary. Some good advice there. I got one question before we move on to the Giants for you. Mm-hmm. I have a deeper league, John, where we have 23-man rosters. Are you talking about our league where I'm 4-0, or are you talking about a different league? No, because I'm 1-3 in, in that league, so I, <laughs> I don't talk about that league very often. But real quick, I have two flex spots, and the rosters are so deep. 12-man league, 23-man rosters. Oh, Amir Abdullah in a flex spot against Carolina, good run defense, or LeGarrette Blunt against Arizona, good run defense. PPR. Maybe Abdullah. PPR. Uh, Theo Riddick usually gets the passes out of the backfield in that in the in the in the Detroit backfield. That's I, I'll true. go with Legarrette Blunt on that one just because he he played very well last weekend. He's he's starting to get his starting to get back on the right track. He got a real slow start to the season, but I, I'd go with Blunt in that one. Okay, I'll consider it because you're four <laughs> zero in our in our league. And I called myself the expert, so that's how you know it's uh that's how you know where I really am. 
Time to talk about the New York Giants. 0-4, lost by a field goal as we touched on to the Bucks last Sunday in Tampa. Before we get too deep into Big Blue, let's hear this week's Giants report with Tommy Aldrich. When it rains, it pours in New York. And when it rains in Tampa, the Giants lose. Let's be honest. When the Giants were greeted by torrential downpour to start the game last Sunday against the Bucks, we all took it as a positive sign from the football gods. At least I did. The rain, giving off the feel of an old-school football game, was just what the 0-3 squad needed. Yep, the historical franchise would harken back to its roots and finally pound the ball on the ground, finally realize the physicality of this 53-man roster, sack the opposing quarterback, and get their first win of the season in vintage, rough-and-tumble Giants fashion. Alas, all fell apart for Big Blue in the final moments for a second straight week. Uncomplimentary football once again ruled the day as positive offensive plays were made null by sloppy defensive errors and vice versa. Just when the Giants' defense would hold, the offense would stall. Particularly concerning, of course, is the Giants' offense, which is as predictable as death and taxes and about as vanilla as Breyer's ice cream. The unit, when not receiving splash plays from Odell Beckham, has an on-the-field presence of a scared cat. Whether it be Brandon Marshall's deteriorating body language as he descends further into non-factorhood, or the image that we get from the offensive line after every run play, that of your guilty dog who just ate something off the counter. Something's gotta give. There's just way too much individual talent in that room for these types of results. Look for New York to get its first win of the season at home this Sunday against the LA Chargers in what some are calling the Toilet Bowl. In a matchup between two 0-4 teams, someone's got to break the seal. And I think that the Giants' defense will lead them to the promised land of 1-4. Covering the Giants, I'm Tommy Aldridge, WFUV Sports. Not a lot of that cheering recently. Yeah, but maybe it was for Tommy's report. That is, I, yeah, let's go Tommy, they were that saying, was, not let's go Giants. That was an electric report with some good use of uh, language there. It's fantastic. Tommy I like that, uh, the dog, like the guilty dog, I like that. That's a great analogy. It was a good way to, to spice things up for a Giants team that's 0-4, going into a matchup against another 0-4 team, the Los Angeles Chargers, this week. Before we get into that matchup with, with the Chargers and which team we think might get their first win of the season, let's start with taking a look back at the 25-23 loss to the Bucks on the road. And, Mir, I'll start with you. The running game has been a big thing with this Giants team because they do have weapons in the passing game and say what you want about how they're using them right now. But if you can't establish the run, the line's going to have to keep Eli upright, which hasn't been a problem the last couple of weeks, even though they've had a ton of moving parts all year on the offensive line. You are a Giants fan. They had rookie Wayne Gallman out there getting a lot of work against the Bucks. Still not a whole lot of production from the backfield. Okay, so when the Giants had their draft, I was super hyped about their draft, actually. I understood the, the, the draft pick of Evan Ingram, and I was so excited about Wayne Gallman because I thought, if you move him in motion, he, he mitigates all those offensive line issues, at least for a little bit, and you can get him those 15 to 20 carries a game, and he's going to be very effective. He's very fast, and he's very physical for a guy who's not, you know, over 235 pounds. I thought he was absolutely outstanding against the Giants, and it was actually his birthday, and I was last week I was telling everybody, you know, I'm, I'm really shocked that, that the coach hasn't played Gallman yet. He's really, really good. 
He is a perfect running back for a team that has a bad offensive line because he's great in motion. He's great in space. And I, I just thought he was going to be awesome. And in fact, when they put him in in the third quarter, their touchdown drive in the third was absolutely outstanding because they gave him the ball. He picked up 52 rushing yards and he picked up eight receiving yards. And that those eight receiving yards, four of them came out with that touchdown. And, you know, I thought he was absolutely great. I know that it didn't look like on the stat sheet at the end of the game that the that the Giants really had a great running attack. But in that one drive that they had in the third where they scored, Wayne Gallman was the was the critical reason, and it even set up a great play-action pass to Marshall and to Beckham. And I just thought, you know, why don't they continue to play him? I understood that then later in the game, the situation got a little more complicated with the center going out. But the thing is, is that Gallman did most of his damage after the the starting center of the Giants went out. His name is escaping Weston me Weston right Richburg, now. and he's, he'll be out this week as well, as will running back Paul Perkins, so Gallman is probably exactly. going to get more touches. I really am, am very confident on Gallman. I was saying this last week. I was like, this guy is really good. He's going to be one of those value pick dra- uh, running backs that we always see every year the last five years that you know maybe one of the lower round players, not a first round pick, that's going to be great. That's why... You know, I'm, I know we're later going to address who we're picking, but I'm going to pick the Giants simply because of Wayne Gallman and that he's now going to get, you know, just more touches. He needs more touches. He's great. He's physical and he's fast. And the thing that stood out to me was he he only averaged 3.8 yards per carry. So I'd like to see that go up. But you talked about how uh, that certain drive opened up the play action to get the ball to Engram and Marshall and the likes of those guys. But John, the the passing game for me hasn't been as good as advertised, even with all these weapons. They're getting these catches, but someone like Brandon Marshall, who Tommy talked about in his report, yeah. has been disappointing. He's getting a ton of targets, as are Beckham and Engram. There's not a whole lot of big plays so far for the receivers. The Giants as a team are terrible, and it's most not mostly, but a large amount of the blame has to go on this receiving core. Besides Odell Beckham, I know he missed the first week, and I know it took him a little while to come back, but... Last week he was he was good. He was great in the Eagles game. He made another one of those fantastic catches. But Shepard, all he's done this season really is that long touchdown against the against the Eagles. And as you said, Brandon Marshall, he's getting the targets. The 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 catches just aren't there. And it's it's a real shame considering this was supposed to be a rejuvenation of his career, going into a very strong receiving core, unlike what he where he was last year in in or in the same in the same stadium, but with the other team, the Jets, right. and everybody thought he was going to have this another breakout year, and it's just, it just hasn't gone well for him at all. And we'll be we'll be talking Shepard soon. I mean, we'll be talking Jets soon about Sterling Shepard. I just want to say he should have had two touchdowns in that Eagles game. Don't understand why one of them was not a touchdown. But um, Mir uh, Odell Beckham said that the Bucks corners knew his routes in that game. So could that have been something, just an excuse, or could that have actually been something, a storyline in that game? I think that's a bit of an excuse, and I'm a very traditional, like, I, I love football in a traditional manner. I think the run sets up the pass. I do not think that a team should always be in shotgun and always throwing it. And I think that, obviously, the Bucks knew what was going on. That's why I'm really high on my fellow Normanite, you know, Sterling Shepard. I mean, he's a buddy of mine from, from growing up. I think he's going to be absolutely great this week. I think that with the running game being more involved, Odell is not going to have the excuse of they knew our routes because I think they're going to have more opportunities in those in the passing game to be less predictable because not on every single play it's going to be a pass play. I mean, that obviously happens when, when you're only passing it. At some point, they figure out all your plays. I mean, it's, it's kind of obvious to me. And before we talk about this week's matchup more in depth, uh, with Philip Rivers and the Chargers. One last thing about last week. Let's talk about the defense. What have you guys thought about them recently? They allowed uh, Jameis Winston to post a 113 passer rating, three touchdowns, no picks who, for a guy who is notorious for th- turning the ball over, at least in his short time in the league so far. So I, I, I'll take this one. I guess my biggest complaint from last week 
was just and 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 I was saying last week on 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 the pod was the problem with the team is not necessarily the players. It might not even just be so much the offensive line is the biggest issue. It's just there's just this massive disconnect I feel between the coaches and the players, and I feel like and the, on the defensive side of the ball too, I guess. Yeah, the, all yeah. the whole team, and I think it's really showing on the defense is that they're really lacking just like the kind of the belief or the confidence because their offense is so bad. And then next up is the receivers. You know, they're really less confident. I thought that they gave up so many plays in the secondary, and it was really disappointing to see that. I, I think that the the Giants' defense isn't a top three defense, but I think it's a top ten defense, and they just haven't showed it because they're so demoralized. Let's talk about the Chargers game. Battle of the QB class of 2004, Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers. And I was shocked to learn that Eli has never beaten Phillip Rivers in his career so far. I don't know how many times they've they've played. No Weston Richburg at center. No Paul Perkins in the backfield. Brett Jones is going to start, and it's the fourth different offensive line they've had in five games. That's a big thing going on. This in. is going to be an ugly, ugly game. The Giants are absolutely the better team on paper. Like Tommy said, this, there's too much talent on this team for them to be 0-4, and something will change. I think they will win this game, but it's going to be one of those ugly, Eli's going to throw two picks, just and just stupid picks as well, because this is the type of game where Eli just really struggles. Whenever you don't think he's going to struggle, he does. And it's it's against a secondary like the like the Chargers. He should he shouldn't struggle at all. But you know he's gonna throw a couple of dumb interceptions, and this game's gonna be maybe like a 17-13 game. It's not gonna be a, an impressive win. But the Chargers are just they're just not good enough to beat this Giants team. They're not. And they have a lot of injuries. You know they they've lost what seven seven players that have been that are now out for the season that have been at least in their rotation in just the, these five weeks. I feel like that's a little unusual because they're usually the, these are seven players that regularly play. These aren't just seven players on a 50, 50 plus man roster. And on the defensive side of the ball for injuries, Olivier Vernon questionable with an ankle going into this game. He would play a big role in shutting down Philip Rivers, who, when he gets hot and has a good game, can put up numbers similarly to the guy that got drafted before him, Eli Manning. And the Chargers are coming in 0-4. I think something to, to consider here is the fact that they got booed on their home field last week when they fell to 0-4. And well, it's not even really their own field. I mean, everybody, all the away fans take are the majority in Right. Stadium. I mean, I'm just saying maybe it's good for them to get away and, and yeah. come to... Well, New oh, it definitely is. It it, it really is. I, it's it's really a, a, a shame what is going on in the Chargers stadium. I think it, it really reflects poorly on the ownership of the Chargers, and I think it really reflects poorly on the NFL. So you said you got the Giants. John, you said the Giants as well. I, I think the Giants will win. I think it's going to be a shootout-type game, and I think on I give the, the Giants the edge because they're on their home field. Anything else to add about this matchup? Yeah, I just want to say you mentioned Vernon's going to be out, and I'm totally fine with that. I don't. Th- I don't is he declared he's, out yet? He's questionable. He's, he's yeah. questionable. I think they're gonna. Uh, they're not going to put him in for this game. They're going to wait at least one more week. There's a great uh, D lineman Tomlinson that the, that the Giants got in the draft from Alabama. I think this is a great opportunity for him to 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 get a start. He's gotten a lot of experience with with all the great D linemen that the Giants have, and I think he's gonna. He he, he might not record a sack but he's going to be effective in this game in my opinion yeah with whoever is on that d-line if, if vernon is out i mean right now we're recording friday evening so we don't know about him yet we do know richburg and perkins were ruled out earlier today but that'll do it for our giants talk here on nfl friday let's get to fantasy segment number two with who we are sitting this week predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. All right, here are my two sit guys. First off, I've got Michael Crabtree. Derek Carr goes down again. He's going to be out for about two to th- two weeks until uh, maybe between two weeks and a month. 
Not only that, Crabtree has been ice cold recently. He's only got one catch for seven yards in his past two games. Didn't even get on the on the stat sheet last weekend. No catches, no yards. And EJ Manuel isn't a terrible backup. Which is, I just want to put that out there. But I just I just don't trust him right now, and I, I wouldn't start him until things until things get better. My other set him is Jay Cutler. That's it, just Jay Cutler. And that's surprising because you're a, a Miami Dolphins fan. Yeah, I'm just very frustrated with how he, I don't know, you guys, I'm sure you saw the play where he, in the Wildcat, where he was out wide and he, he didn't do he anything. Didn't, the, the, the defender literally just left him because, <laughs> oh, yeah, like, there, it was it was basically nine men on 11 is basically what happened. It was it was an absolute embarrassment, and the way the Dolphins have been playing over the past two weeks is an embarrassment. The, the defense hasn't been terrible, but Jay Cutler, I, I don't want to play, place the blame completely on him, but he's just... I don't even know why you would have him in your fantasy league. Just don't. Just don't start him. It's just not worth it. I don't even care if they're playing against like a high school defense. Don't start him. I think Devontae Parker is so talented, though, so maybe he, he, can, is. he can make something yeah, happen no, he's with, a, with he's, Jay Cutler he's, he's this a, week. He's a real talented receiver. He's been great in fantasy this year as well. Jarvis Landry, only if you're in a PPR league, he gets a lot of receptions. He's, he's very consistent. He gets five to six catches a game for maybe 50 yards. Doesn't have a touchdown yet, but I think he's not... He's not a bad option, I'll say that. And then Kenny Stills is like a, a deep league. Jay Cutler does like throwing to him. He had a touchdown in that first week, but only if you're in a really deep league. And then in terms of your other sit Michael Crabtree, I will. I know you're pulling double duty on fantasy. I do have to stick up for Crabtree a little bit here. You said zero catches last week. He didn't play, so that, oh, that hurts. Oh, that, that would make sense. That hurts, okay, but the week, week, but the week before. But he did have one for one – for, one, one for seven yards. the week before exactly. that. that is, he, I forgot he didn't and play And he's week, questionable this week, so I would definitely keep him out of your lineup just in case he doesn't yeah, play. You don't want to have to shuffle guys in and out. So actually some good advice if, if someone was on the border about starting Michael Crabtree because the game before yeah, you know he what, sat, EJ, he didn't have a good EJ game. Manuel's his quarterback, I just, just, I just wouldn't do it. Yeah, and, and I just want to add that you know sitting Jay Cutler almost counts for two spots, I think, two people to mention because I'm sorry, John, I know you're rooting for the Dolphins, but I just can't stop laughing that Jay Cutler is, is back in the league. And I, thought it, I, I thought it was... Oops. I thought it was going to be a wash between him and him and Tannehill. I thought they were going to be played about the same level this year, and it's just been an absolute disaster. Like he, he, even Tannehill never was yeah. this lazy. Like he wasn't the most active quarterback, but he wasn't this. It was just it was just embarrassing. Yeah, I mean it. it, it that that play was I think like the, the and I thought epitome Gase, of his career. <laughs> I thought Gase would get the most out of him, and he did in that first week. He looked great the first week, but the past two games have just been absolutely dreadful. Yeah, and it's sad. I I, I actually had them as a fringe playoff team, and 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 it just didn't turn out that way. And, and hey, after they're, they're still one and two though. That's the thing. No, and that's if fine. They win, if they win, this is their home opener, and it's week five, which is which just. The schedule is really screwed yeah. this year, but it's if they win and they're back to two and two, things are okay. But if they lose this game, it, it's it's all over for this team. I'm I'm counting them out. Yeah, I'm just wondering maybe if they can figure out some sort of like I don't know some viable options at QB Matt other Moore than Jay. Come, Matt Moore has got to come in. He's the best best backup in the league. He he won three the, the final three games last year. I just or the, two of the three final exactly, games and he year. hasn't that been that bad. I'm no. sorry, I just you know We're I turn it into a Dolphins podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that Jay was in that play last week was so bad that that was just such an indictment. I mean, if I'm on the Dolphins roster, I'm just like, dude, what are you? Just get out. All right, fantasy sleepers coming up. Probably another lively discussion there. <laughs> Right now, let's go to the Jets. Two and two. They beat the Jags 23-20 in overtime on Sunday. Lots to talk about with the New York Jets. Through four weeks, the New York Jets are two and two, and the New York Giants are 0 and four. And the Jets are coming off two home wins. They hit the road for Cleveland this week, but let's start with my Jets report. Sunday's 23-20 overtime win over Jacksonville marked the first time that quarterback Josh McCown has won back-to-back games as a starter 
since 2004. Big plays from the Jets' running backs paced the offense. With Matt Forte sidelined with turf toe, Bilal Powell and rookie Eli McGuire each reeled off long touchdown runs. A 75-yard score for Powell was the longest run of the veteran's seven-year career and the second-longest touchdown run in franchise history. McCown's been solid at QB this year, and the interception that allowed the Jags to get in field goal range late, tie the game, and go to overtime wasn't his fault as Powell slipped on his route. And then in overtime, it looked like neither side wanted to win, but Chandler Catanzaro's 41-yard game-winning field goal obviously prevented the tie. So after two home wins in the past two weeks, the team hits the road looking to extend the win streak in Cleveland. The Browns come in 0-4 with rookie QB Deshaun Kaiser under center. My official prediction is a 21-10 Jets win. I'm not buying the idea that the Jets will overlook the winless Browns. While some are surprised at the 500 start, wide receiver Jermaine Curse is not. It's all about us and you know the guys have that belief in this locker room and we've got to continue to have it and continue to play for one another and stick with one another and um, it's as far as we can take this season as far as we want to take it. One last thing on the Browns number one pick defensive tackle Miles Garrett is likely to suit up for his first NFL game after missing the first four weeks with an ankle sprain. Covering the I'm Matt Murphy, WFUV Sports. So there you have it, the Week 5 Jets report. And coming into this year, all summer I was saying this three-game stretch where you had, um, who was Week 3? You had the, Dolphins. Jag the Dolphins in Week 3, the Jaguars in Week 4, and now Cleveland this week in Week 5. Winnable games for the New York Jets, and sure enough, they've won two of them. And the critical thing is that the Jaguars were also coming back from London. Yeah, I mean it's lucky that not, Miami, I'm not making excuses. Miami I'm just that also in week helped. three was coming back from across the from country San Diego. from from uh, oh, LA, LA. Oof, against, against the Chargers. So yeah, I mean they've been fortunate, but I think two and two they'll certainly take it with the way things unfolded in Oakland in week two, and they got blown out 45-20 primarily in the second half. They will take it. Let's start by taking a look back at the 23-20 win over Jacksonville because it was the home opener, a game that had a lot of excitement around it. It wasn't a, a packed house. I mean, actually, it wasn't the home opener. I, I said that, but the Dolphins were the home opener in week three. Time is just flying when the Jets are winning yeah. games. Oh, my gosh. But <laughs> in the first half, I was very Jesus. surprised. Uh, not so, I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was very um, pleased with the performance of Leonard Fournette for the Jaguars because, he, one, he's on my fantasy team, and, two, it's just good to see a rookie do well like that. Obviously, I'm covering the Jets, but... Um, the two guys that stood out for the Jaguars were Leonard Fournette and Miles Jack against the Jets, and I and the Jets did a great job of bouncing back and not letting the game get away from them, yep. and and taking it in overtime, taking it in stride. The fact that the Jaguars came all the way back and still coming out with a W was a great sign for the Jets. That was an impressive win for the Jets. I'm not gonna lie. I I was not very high on them coming into the season. I thought you were crazy when you thought they had a chance against the Dolphins, and they were by far the better team on that day. I th I knew it was gonna be a close game. I knew it was gonna be tough for the Jaguars coming back from London. Those London games are always really bizarre, and they take a lot out of teams. But this uh, J J McCown has been really impressive in these past couple weeks. Seventy he's, completing seventy percent of his passes. I know this season. he's he's looked real solid. He has obviously hasn't looked like an incredible quarterback, but he's been better than a lot of people thought he was, which was like a Brian Hoyer or like a a, a quarterback kind of that, like a, a low level low level starter. And it really helps when your running backs like Powell and McGuire yeah, are. Good too. 
reeling off runs of 75 and 69 yards. That that helps take a lot of pressure off McCown back there. And while they almost let things get away from them, they did a nice job, like I was saying, of just keeping their foot on the gas and, and coming out with a win. Yeah, if you check out this Jets draft, cl- uh, this rookie class, I mean, you have to give them a lot of credit. You know, our Darius Stewart, to me, is an underrated player that people are going to love in the NFL, and the Jet fans are going to absolutely love him because he's a gritty receiver. Right, that had- that um fantasy league I was talking to John about earlier, the 23-man rosters, I actually have our Darius Stewart in there, and he was returning kicks this past yeah, Sunday for the 30, first time. Yeah, he had 32 yards on one punt return. He had 25 yards on, on one return. Reception. And, you know, these are the little things that Ardarius might do. He's not maybe a stat stuffer, but he's a tough guy. He's going to give you impact plays, and he's going to be fantastic. And obviously, Marcus May looked amazing. Jamal Adams is continuing to develop and looking more and more like the leader of that team. And obviously, McGuire, you know, on, on, on the— uh, Louisiana uh, Lafayette product. Yeah, I mean, I you know, doing the rookie board this week, I was like, man, this is so tough because all like all the almost all the top Jets r- rookies looked great, but this, this guy that came out of nowhere, I had to give it to him because his run was— was just like a, almost like a the, the brightest moment in his career so far and I just you know I thought it was absolutely outstanding and I think it was just not just the great quarterback play from McCown but also the the Jets rookies are looking really good yeah in terms of the rookie safety pair obviously high expectations first and second round pick Adams going in the first May going in the second two SEC guys coming in as starters so everything they do is going to be nitpicked I think that Adams has been good and May has been getting all the hype because People expected Adams to do that, and they didn't know as much about Marcus May. Uh, yeah, I, I May had a bit of an off senior year. His junior year was much better, and so people kind of forgot about him a little bit. Also, a second-round pick isn't going to get as much shine as a and first. And the Jets are notorious for blowing their second-round picks. So this oh, year it's good to see Marcus May producing a couple games into the, his career. The other thing is May is a much better uh, free sa- uh, free safety. Or, sorry, not free safety, but he's a better passing safety. You know, in the passing game, he's he's very excellent. So he's going to get more of that. You know, notoriety for it. And then Jamal Adams is more of a tougher safety. So he's gonna he's gonna have like one of those two big hits or def- like you know blocks on the on the passes that are going to look great. But they're great safety pairing that have two different strengths that like very that fit very well. So let's take a look ahead in the next couple of minutes with this game against the Browns, a winless Cleveland Browns team, not really surprising there. But they had a good preseason, so there were some expectations for them First to, game be, for Miles Garrett. to be better. Yeah, that's a big storyline, and this is the last of those three most winnable games on the Jets' schedule because they've got the New England Patriots next week, but obviously they can't look ahead to that just yet because the Browns are capable with Garrett back of pulling out a gritty Cleveland-type so. effort on home it's gonna field. Be, it's going to be a tight game. I mean, I had it at 21-10. I just have a gut feeling that the, that the Jets aren't going to, to overlook the Browns because they know that they people were talking about them in the same light they're talking about the Browns, even though their records are, are quite different at this point. Mm-hmm. I think they know what it feels like to be at the bottom of the league in terms of perception, and they're not going to want to go back there anytime soon. And Kaiser under center and Isaiah Correll, the running back, hasn't been great so far this year. I think the Jets' defense, which struggled against some top running backs so far this year, We'll do fine against Crowell. Yeah, for for the Jets, I, I just I've never been very high on Miles Garrett. I always thought he lacked a bit of toughness. In the NFL, you're gonna need more toughness. Obviously, the Jets have a bit of offensive line weakness right now, much like the Giants, but maybe not as pronounced. Um, I think he might have some impact plays, but I think he lacks the toughness to really dominate a game. And it's also his first game, so I think the J- J- the Jets are gonna squeak by. I'd like to also see the rookies continue to develop and maybe put a stamp on their on on this game. So you've got the Jets in yeah, a close. Yeah, I've got one? the Jets. And yeah. John, what do you got? In this? I've got the Jets as well, but it's going to be close. Okay, and I've got the Jets 21-10, so a little bit of less of a uh, nail-biter than you guys have. And 
Before I say this last point about the Jets and we move on to fantasy sleepers, I just want to make sure you don't have Austin Safarian Jenkins as a fantasy sleeper this week. I have another Jets player, though. Okay, so I'll just get this out there. Jets tight end Austin Safarian Jenkins. Look for a big game out yep, of him this I, week. I agree because with you. Especially with, at tight end, that's a very shallow position. The Browns defense, not good overall, and particularly not good against tight ends. And last week... Uh, Croft, the tight end for the Bengals, was filling in for Tyler Eifert, and he went off, I think, for two scores against the Browns' D. So I think Safarian Jenkins, who has eight fantasy points in PPR leagues the last two weeks that he's been active since being suspended for the first two weeks, is a guy that if I think he could score a touchdown this week. Yeah, I'm with you. And he's had solid production without getting into the end zone. So if McCown can find him in the end zone, certainly a sleeper from me. But I want to hear who John's sleepers are, so let's get to the final fantasy segment of NFL Friday the sleepers portion. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. All right, guys, sleeper number one, I got Robbie Anderson. I teased it before. I got another Jets player, but Austin Safarian Jenkins is a very solid pick. But anyway, Robbie Anderson, Josh McCown seems to like throwing to him. He had three catches for 59 yards last week, and that's really impressive considering the Jags have allowed the least fantasy points to receivers this year. And he had that long TD against the Dolphins in Week 3. He's owned in 12% of ESPN leagues, so why not Why not go get him if you need a, a, a second wide receiver or a flex player? He's You could do a lot worse with the position. And then my second sleeper, I'm going to go with Hunter Henry of the Chargers. The Giants have allowed the second most points to opposing tight ends this season. The problem is whether he's going to get the bulk of the snaps or whether Antonio Gates will. Hunter did get more last week, and I see that continuing. He had a touchdown, and you know what? I'd take the risk on him against this, against this suspect Giants defense. Robbie Anderson's an interesting one for me, John. But you don't, you're not too high on him. I just think he's a little bit dependent on the deep ball. Okay, I, no, I guess that's it depends fair. if you're in a standard league or not. PPR, I might, I might not go for him because he's not racking up the catches. That's and, fair. And the Jets kind of need to get the running game going if they're going to have success passing the ball because McCown is not going to light it up. But I mean, he, he's not a bad play in a week that with buys and everything uh, now in the mix in fantasy. Certainly a guy that could have a 50, 60 yard touchdown catch any week. Mm-hmm. Week in and week out. How do you feel about those sleepers, Mir? I'm just, I'm not really much of a fantasy guy, but I have to have just agree with you on, on, on Robbie and the same thing is that, you know, sometimes when a receiver is so confident on those deep balls, it he, he misses on opportunities for shorter gains and maybe get those yak yardage, you know, yards after a catch. Yeah, um, but I, I, I like to see him getting more involved in maybe the short, the mid range, you know, uh, plays. Um, he's going to be critical. And and I think that he's somebody that that down the line is is gonna a lot of people are gonna be more and more aware of, and he might you know end up having a, a more productive career going forward. And Jermaine Curse is also obviously in the passing game mix as well. He could take some targets away from Robbie Anderson. But let's get into our last segment of the show, our Week Five Pickums. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. Jump right into it. I just looked down at my sheet. Patriots won, so we don't have to pick that one. <laughs> Let's start with the Jets at Browns. We all picked the Jets, so we can kind of just graze over that. I oh, have God, them yes. winning 21-10, but that's a clean sweep from us. Panthers at Lions. I like Detroit in the Dome. I think it's going to be close. Panthers look pretty good, but the Lions look really good this year. I'm going Lions as well, Matt. Since last season, Stafford's looking like he's getting into his prime. I'm going to go with the Lions. Not as great of a matchup here. The San Francisco 49ers in Indianapolis to take on the Colts. 
I'm going with the away team who is not favored in this one. The 49ers, I think they, they win by a field goal here. I'm going Colts. I, I thought Jacoby Brissett, before the game got away with them, I thought he looked pretty good last weekend. Yeah, Brissett is looking like he's becoming better and better, and I'm going to go with the Colts. I, I, Charlie, our producer, just said that it's Peyton Manning's uh, statue being unveiled this week in Indianapolis, so that could be a factor. I mean, they, they could come out to play a little bit harder, but I'm still going 49ers there. You guys have the Colts. Um, Titans at Dolphins. Not a great matchup either, especially if Marcus Mariota doesn't play for Tennessee. I'm guessing he won't, and that's why I'm going to take the Dolphins to win in a close one. I'm giving the Dolphins one final chance. If they if they don't win against Tennessee, I don't even know who Tennessee's backup is. Matt Castle. Matt Castle. If they don't win against Matt Castle, this team write them out, write them off this season. I just got a sneaky feeling Matt Castle is going to be at least okay, and he's going to manage the game properly, so Titans win narrowly. There's certainly worse backup quarterbacks than Matt Castle, a guy that's been mm. been around the league. I, I could probably name a few if, if I really got down to it. Um, Bills at Bengals. Bengals' record might be a little bit deceiving, and they are home in this one, and the Bills' record might be a little bit deceiving. Yeah. But I don't know. Let's just keep rolling with Bills Mafia, and I'm taking Buffalo. I'm going Bengals here. This Bills team is too Jekyll and Hyde for me. I'm really concerned about the Bengals' defense, or sorry, offensive line, and Jerry Hughes just had a great game last week for the Bills, and I think he's going to put more pressure on the offensive line of the Bengals, so I'm going with the Bills. Chargers at Giants was a clean Giants sweep for us in our Giants segment. So let's move on to a game that both John and I were surprised to hear that Mir is torn over, the Jacksonville Jaguars in Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. This was one of the easier ones for me to pick. I'm going with the Steelers all the way, and I think, John, you are too. I'm going with the Steelers, but they, Pittsburgh has a very, very bad tendency of playing down to their competition. So I'm and now the more that I think about it, Mir's prediction isn't too crazy. Exactly, and that's kind of my point, and I'm really concerned about the Antonio Brown situation. I think Le'Veon needs to lead this team to the win. That's the only reason why I'm going with the Steelers, so go Le'Veon. Cardinals in Philly to take on the Eagles, a team that, Mir, you said you're high on. I, I'm three-quarters of an Eagles fan, I would say, if I had to break <laughs> down my fandom. Jesus, into. I've never heard anyone say that before. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm picking the Eagles to win this. Carson Wentz on home turf. Cardinals' offense could get things going, even without David Johnson the last couple of weeks. They have some receivers in the past game, the, the Browns, Jerron, and John Brown. We'll see what happens. I like the Eagles. Wentzadelphia, baby. I am. I may may not like the Eagles personally, but they are a good. I think they're a good team this year. I think they're the, they're the division favorites right now. Give me them big at home against the Cardinals. No one wants to talk about Alshon Jeffries being one of the top receivers in well, the league. Well, he's got Patrick Peterson on him this week. It's true. I I understand that, but I just think he's really really good, and I think he's also made Aguilar more of a professional and becoming a better receiver. So I'm going with the Eagles on this one. I think Zach Ertz has a big game. He's been pr putting up good numbers all season long. Let's head to the 4 o'clock slate on Sunday. Seahawks against the L.A. Rams. It's in L.A. Tight one here. I'm going to go with the Seahawks, even though their offensive line has been trashed this year. Give me the L.A. Rams, baby. I'm all on that Jared Goff bandwagon. Yeah, this the Seahawks team looks very dejected. I'm I'm kind of demoralized. They in them killed and, the Colts this week. And they're, how are they? Yeah, they, they killed them. But if them. they killed them, but if you watch the whole game, the first half they were pretty bad. I mean, that I, is fair. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Rams on this one. I'm just something's wrong since that loss in the Super Bowl. The Seahawks just don't look the same, and they've got a lot of injuries. Baltimore Ravens in Oakland to take on the Derek Carless Raiders, and for that reason, I'm going with Baltimore, who's 
defense outside of that game in London against the Jaguars is, is a pretty good one. Give me the Ravens. No, they got embarrassed two weeks in a row. They got they got manhandled by the Steelers. I know the score is closer than it than I did. It doesn't really say it was a manhandling, but watching that game, they got manhandled in that game. I'm going with the Raiders with EJ Manuel as quarterback. Nice. I don't think EJ Manuel is as bad as people think, but I just think that in the end, Joe Flacco is going to somehow get the win for the Ravens. So I'm going with the Ravens. I think the Raiders organization is actually pretty excited about EJ Manuel, and we'll see if it actually comes to fruition on the field this Sunday. Let's go to the Packers in Dallas to take on the Cowboys. A really good one here. And I like the Packers despite them being underdogs here on the road. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm all over the Packers in this one. I think this is going to be a closer game than people think, but like the Steelers and the Seahawks, there's something wrong with the Cowboys, so I'm going with the Packers. And then before we do the Monday night football game, let's do the Sunday night football game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans, both teams that have looked good at times this year, the Chiefs for most of the year, in fact. And for that reason, I'm picking them. Texans coming off a good week and they're home. But I don't know, Kareem Hunt and company, Travis Kelsey, they got a lot of weapons in Kansas City. Hey, this City. Chiefs team is no joke. I'm going with them, and I'm a big Deshaun Watson guy. I, I like him a lot. I know Mir likes him a lot as well, and I know I think I know which way he's going, but I'm going with the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, you know, I remember a couple of weeks ago, John was just like, Mir, are you sure? Deshaun Watson? No, Texans, whoa, 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 Super Bowl whoa, whoa. contenders? You said they were Super Bowl yeah, contenders. Yeah, yeah, no, I just said Super that's Bowl what contenders. Made me, that's what made me. No, that's fine, that's fine. No, I agree. I think because of that, I got to I gotta roll with the Texans, even though it's going to be a very, very close game. If you have a pulse and you're an NFL fan, that's you got to watch this that's game. That's going to be a fun game. It's going to be one of the best night. games that's of the gonna year. That's going to be a good game. And then I don't know if you could say the same about the Monday night game, <laughs> but we do get Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky hey. in primetime, his first career NFL start in Chicago hosting the Vikings. I'm going to pick the road team, the Minnesota Vikings. Tough divisional game. I think it could go either way. The Vikings defense is kind of a tall task for a rookie quarterback. Yeah, give me the Vikings, too. Look, I know last week, Charlie looking at me, last week I said, ah, Mitchell Trzewski, I'm not really sure how great he is. But you know what? I thought about it more and more. I really am going to have to roll with him on this one. I'm going to go with the Bears. Surprising. Sneaky pick from Mir to wrap our Pick'em segment up. And that's almost it for this week's NFL Friday. I just kind of want to say one thing. Before we go, is that Chiefs-Texans game definitely the game of the week, or is it Packers-Cowboys? It's got to be the game of the month, even. I, I'm, I'm really Chiefs -Texans high. Chiefs-Texans game? Oh, yeah, that's I'm really high game. on these two I'm teams. I'm with you, especially that it's in Houston. Yeah. That's weird to say, considering the Texans started Tom Savage to start this season. So they've come oh, a long man. way. Hey, Deshaun oh, Watson, baby. <laughs> they've come a long way in a couple of weeks. But that's it for Week 5 of NFL Friday. For my co-hosts, John Furlong and Mir Gorey, I almost said David Spampanato with the fantasy advice, but that was John Furlong as well. And our producer, Charlie Maizano. I'm Matt Murphy. Check back next Friday for week six.